My name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. It's one of those happy moments for the photographer Mark the Cobra Snake Hunter His new book, The Cobra Snake, Y2K's Archive, features a kaleidoscopic selection of photos that help define the party scenes of Los Angeles and New York at the beginning of the 21st century. As if that wasn't enough, he's also enjoying a renaissance of sorts and earning kudos as a visionary of what fashion magazines are calling a mid-aughts indie sleaze revival. The era he so lovingly captured and exemplified by shooting a generation of kids who partied hard in deliberately mismatched clothes, holy t-shirts, must hair, and in Mark's case, with the added accessory of knee pads. His relentless pursuit of the next party and the next photo brought him to the edgier fringes of the fashion music and art worlds where he photographed LA's burgeoning underground nightlife scene that attracted the likes of Kanye, Katy Perry, Jeremy Scott, Beth Ditto, Steve Aoki, Lindsay Lohan, Samantha Ronson, Virgil Abloh, and his personal muse, Corey Kennedy. Before there was Instagram, there was the cobra snake snapping away and capturing the last generation of partiers to predate social media. So welcome, Mark Cobra Snake Hunter. Congratulations on your book. Yeah, no, David, um, you know, that was such a beautiful intro and really painted an amazing picture of, of my life. And you know, I'm really happy to be here and uh, chat with you. I'm sure I left out a bunch too, and I hope we can get around to that as well. Uh, for me, you know, LA was when paper started to go out there, we were doing our issues, the LA issues. We would do our pop-up stores, 24-hour. And I, I feel like for me, that was when I started paying attention to LA having its own scene, because that's kind of, you know, what we always were into at paper, these subcultures, scenes that were having a lot of influence, but people weren't really aware of that yet. So that's, I feel like that's when we first met. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember those those paper parties in LA and the 24-hour store and just the energy that, you know, paper magazine brought to LA and then sort of amplified the culture that was happening in LA was really special. And yeah, it was it was fun because I got to document everything and, you know, I knew anything that paper put its name on was going to be fun and colorful, so I was always happy to be involved. And also, you know, it was a kind of a dark time for New York as well, because we had just come out of 9-11. There was, you know, the economy sucked, the, the internet bubble burst. And, and we started hearing about L.A. and that there was stuff going on in L.A. And then, of course, we started seeing your photographs on your website. So you were going around back then just on your own, not really expecting or anything to come of it, right? Because you were fascinated by what you were seeing or just tell me how you fell into this? Yeah, no, you know, I was, uh, 
I was a kid, I grew up in LA. And so this was my, my home turf. And I knew, you know, from a young age that a lot of entertainment came out of this place, be it movies, you know, recording studios for bands. And I, I really wanted to be a part of that. And the earliest way I was is I would buy tickets to go to see concerts at, you know, the Troubadour or the Roxy. And I'd sneak my camera in and I'd take photos. And it was those images that, you know, I'd, I'd be in the front row pushing through the whole crowd, uh, snapping the band and then turning the camera on, on the crowd. And it was those images that sort of got, were my calling card in the almost famous way. I would have those, those photos posted online and then the band would contact me being like, hey, we saw your website. It's really cool that you shot the show. You want to come document a music video we're working on or you want to come to the next show when we're back in town. And uh, so I was like very early, uh, I got embraced very early on in, in my career, which was like really like exciting for me because I was working with people that I, I looked up to. Well, it's funny also because because of the internet, you were able to get your work out there, right? Scene wasn't just a little scene of its own that nobody would ever know about. You would post it, it became global. Everybody started looking at it, but yet it's the same internet later, you know, once the Instagramming and everything else. Was that when you stopped doing this kind of work or how did, you know, I know I'm jumping around, but I'm- Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was, yeah, it was an early internet that I started the blog on. You know, there just wasn't as much technology. You know, we didn't even have- smartphones at that point and there was no Uber and you know it was a, a very more you could say simpler time. And yeah, as things progressed and social media sort of took over, at, at a certain point I didn't feel as excited to be documenting the time. Also I feel like the culture had changed by then and it just wasn't the same sort of like hipster world that I was so excited by. And it became sort of the new, you know, era of the Kardashian culture and stuff. Which you also photographed them when they were more normal kids, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the the cool thing is I've just being in in pop culture. You know, I've basically photographed everyone over the years um, at different points in their career. And yeah, there's a really iconic photo of uh, Kim Kardashian in my book holding a sidekick. And then just a couple months ago, I was shooting her for an event in Miami for her Skims uh, swimwear launch. So it comes full circle. So this whole idea of the indie sleaze revival, which is you know, which I love uh, personally, just to I see love, it coming. I love as well, yes. <laughs> but also to see you in the middle of it, suddenly catapulted from your quiet life that you've been living, as far as I could tell, right in the last ten or more years, and back into the spotlight, and you're getting assignments from all kind of magazines. There's interviews, articles. So how does it make you feel, or? Do you relate to this whole concept at all? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm honored to be the, you know, the spokesperson for the Indie Sleaze movement. I mean, it's it's <laughs> funny because I that's my true self. Like I I grew up listening to all the rock music and I was a hipster, you know, as a kid. So, uh the fact that it's coming back into fashion is exciting for me and it means more than just like the way that people dress. Like I think when I think of indie sleaze, I always try to think of, you know, this was a, a free-spirited time where you could be yourself. It wasn't about conforming to, you know, the social norms. It was about like 
living living your life to the fullest and um, being creative and and sort of just like living your truth, you could say. And so the fact that we're getting back to that and sort of against the grain of uh, you know what was happening the past few years, it's it's really exciting. So you see it as a positive movement uh, in a social cultural way. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to be a lot of creative things birthed out of this, be it in music and fashion and, uh, you know, the revival of some of the bands from the time is also really exciting because, you know, we grew up on, on bands like Interpol and the Yeah Yeahs, and the Strokes, and then they're all back touring again, which is again, uh, for a new audience, hopefully, and also for the audience that was there in the beginning. Today, when you're going, you know, you, you did a shoot, I believe it was for interview, where you tried to capture that sensibility, but in a studio setting uh, with models. Is it a lot harder? I mean, how do you relate? You know, you, you were out there doing something that was very organic and natural and didn't require any of that stylists and people like that to, yeah. to help produce. And now, you know, when you try to shape something that was once something different, it's, I don't know, it must be a weird feeling for you. It is and it isn't. The cool thing about that is that we worked with a really great team of, uh, you know, from the casting to the stylist to everything, where we really tried to live that energy. And then also the way that we shot it, it wasn't even in a studio. We rented a hotel room and basically like had a party where we played dress up. And so sort of the outtakes um, that I could, you know, describe would be like, you know, they were jumping on the bed moments before I threw them against the the white wall for a clean photo. You oh, know, it was, okay. it was, uh, we basically were still like living, uh, in, uh, we had that sort of like jam packed hotel room, uh, energy that would be sort of an after party vibe, but during the editorial. Which you wish that you had actually been able to use the shots on of the girls jumping on the bed, I'm sure. Yeah, the outtakes, <laughs> the outtakes are also more exciting. And then also the nice thing is that we ended up getting to keep the room uh, till the next day. So that was, you know, fun after hours. So is this something you feel like you're going to be pursuing more actively now that this has kind of, you know, become a thing now? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, the funny thing is I'm still pretty young. Like I started, yeah. I, was, I was in high school when I started this blog. So um, it's, I've come a long way and I had a really amazing career in the 2000s and I'm ready for round two. Like I'm, it's like a rebirth. And it's actually really fun for me because, you know, with the Rizzoli book coming out, besides that there's been this sort of serendipitous interest on indie sleaze and Y2K fashion, it's like perfect timing. You know, it's a, it's been a whirlwind. And so with the book coming out and it's a celebration of that time, it only makes sense for me to be shooting more. And I'm actually, I'm falling back in love with it. It's, it's nice to see, you know, people out again, you know, after all the pandemic, you know, it's been, it's been a tough time for a lot of people. And then to be able to celebrate like we once did and bring it back to the um, sort of, you know, roots of, of human interaction and, you know, hugging people and dancing with each other and sweating on each other is, is really like fun to see. And you were, you know, personally part of that scene as well. So it wasn't as if you were, you know, a photographer who started just shooting these cute kids. You were one of them wearing yeah. your own outrageous outfits and 
what where did that come from? Because sometimes I'm wondering, did you inspire them or did they inspire you? The fact that they you know were watching you looking <laughs> the way you did, it must have <laughs> gave them freedom as well, right? Yeah, that that was sort of what I wanted to always communicate is to be yourself and to dress how you wanted. I, I never really could keep up with like the Joneses and the next cool trend and the fashion. And so I kind of just like was always myself and just sort of felt, you know, uh, I always had like a practical way of dressing because again, it's, it's a lot of work being a photographer in a club and running around and I run hot. So like I wore a lot of small shorts because I just <laughs> needed to breathe, you know? So, um, my, my style was of, of practicality at the same, same time. And, and yeah, again, you know, it was just so, it was so cool to be able to, you know, wear, you know, gym shorts to a nightclub, you know, it just felt like, um, and get in without, without getting thrown out. Yeah. It kind of got, it was like a punk rock feeling. There definitely was clubs that didn't understand. And I'd have to go buy a pair of pants at, you know, the local department store. But, uh, for the most part, you know, people understood that I was there and I was there to, you know, document the night and sort of make it add to the excitement of, of what was going on. And did you have a feeling at the time that you were partaking of some, you know, something bigger in terms of the creative scene for L.A. at that time? Because I imagine people started spending more time in L.A. from New York as people just started leaving New York. Yeah. Going to Brooklyn and just, you know, for being in New York, we were hearing all about what was going on. One of your pals back then and perhaps even still today, Steve Aoki, yeah, I I remember sitting with you guys, you know, looking at our phones, trying to figure out how to do something with it that we were just figuring out at the time for the first time. And now Steve is, you know, this megastar Vegas DJ. Jeremy Scott has also got on and, you know, as well as the others that I mentioned. Did, when did you feel or did you ever feel that this was something percolating here that was going to be bigger than just, you know, the moment? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that my fascination with the culture, it was really almost uh, apparent to see that. And you would watch Steve in his early years of DJing and you were just enamored. And so taking photos of that and capturing that energy was like just so fun for me. And same with, you know, Jeremy and the, his early collections that I was lucky to get to go, you know, photograph in New York Fashion Week or in Paris, you know, it was like, you could see the energy in the crowd that was building and the, and the fascination from the, you know, from the celebrities to the editors to, you know, the cool kids, everybody wanted to be at Jeremy's shows and parties. And so it's only, you don't have to do a big math equation to realize, Oh, now Jeremy is going to be, you know, the head of Moschino and doing all these other things that he's doing because there was just that trajectory that was in his path. I guess I, I always wish that there was some sort of um, hipster stock market and that I could have invested <laughs> in in some of these people, you know, like everyone's yeah. proud. They say I was the early Uber investor or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. But I want to be like, I was the early Aoki investor and, you know, I was there seeing those things and, you know, it would be, it would be cool to, obviously I have the photos, which are, you know, they're priceless. It's a time that, we can't relive and that we were there, we were a lot younger. And, um, and so that's, that's sort of what I'm most proud of that, you know, I've kept a pretty good archive of, uh, of the creative 
you know, class of the 2000s. Yeah, and it's always, you know, they know, they remember. So even if, you know, you didn't get a chance to buy it on the stock market, your your value for them will always be there, right? Yeah. I feel, you know, with paper as well, you know, we did a stories and all these people, but today, you know, today they remember and they know and they recognize and, and you sort of, you know, and you get your props for for helping them. And that's a great reward on its own, I believe, right? No, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that a lot of the photos, even of people that are less known, um, they're really excited to see because they're like, wow, look how young I was. Or I remember that night and it was so much fun. And, you know, now they're married with kids. So like, I think for across the board, uh, some of the, the, the photos just sort of will resonate with people in, in a positive way. I suppose. I imagine some of them are hiding them from their kids too. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Mommy, oh, you look like Mom, that. Mom, what outfit are you wearing there? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go. And then, but, you know, but you were always kind of savvy in the tech. I felt like you knew about the phone. You know, you were somebody I would go to to try to find out what's happening. And, you know, with your website as well, right, that you started putting the photos up there. And that became such a big thing. The Cobra Snake website. Dot com, yeah. Dot com, which is still there, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing about that was that, um, and this is good advice for anyone that's starting any kind of career, um, I didn't really want to rely on other people um, to, for my success. And so the fact that I was able to upload the photos myself from the, the minimal knowledge I had of, tech, of the computer tech without having to wait and ask somebody for help, like was great. No barrier to entry. You know, I didn't have to, you know, if I was out till four in the morning, I could still get the photos up myself before I went to bed versus waiting for, you know, an assistant or an editor to wake up the next day. So I really was strategic and efficient in the way that I built, built out the website and designed it. And also never, I chose never to watermark my photos, which sort of became a watermark in itself. Most other nightlife blogs or even websites would have a big, you know, watermark in the corner. And the fact that I never watermarked sort of became my watermark. But the people would take your photos, I would assume, all the time, and they probably still are. Yeah. But, you know, the, that was sort of the whole point, is that I love the idea of these images spreading as, as far as they could. And, you know, we had things, they still exist, but not like they did, like Tumblr and sort of blogs that would repost a lot of my photos. And it was, it was exciting for me. It was thrilling that people enjoyed them and they wanted to share them. And it was sort of like the early idea of socializing uh, images. And, and one of the first people that you made famous in that respect is, is Corey Kennedy, right? Who... Most people would probably still know, maybe yes, maybe no, but she didn't become a mega star like some of the other names of people. But she was for that time period, right? Tell us a little bit about your, you know, the whole experience with Corey because she came, you know, she was suddenly the it girl of the internet. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to be like her. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, and what what I loved about that is that it gave space to a whole different generation of what what you could define as a beauty and as as stylish and all that. And so that was really cool because if you looked at the magazines, everything was overly airbrushed and you know fake tan, very like you know uh, 
Pam Anderson era. And, you know, we were, we were getting into a more, uh, sort of refined, you know, diverse culture, you know, with the American apparel aesthetic and sort of, um, what Corey, Corey did was, you know, champion a whole new it girl. And, uh, you know, within, you know, a year of her just flooding on the internet, she's on magazine covers and getting flown all around the world for photo shoots and stuff. And it was, it was really cool to see. And, you know, people would say it was sort of like a Andy Warhol, Edie Sedwick vibe we had together. You know, we worked really well together and it was even, I remember there was a, there's a cute interview with um, Mr. Mickey outside of the LA paper LA event and it's Corey and I and, and Jeffrey stars in it. And it's, it's just a, a, it's a great time capsule piece that um, is still on YouTube. So everybody should go watch that. But it's just, it was fun because uh, again, we didn't really have any intention of what would happen. And it, it all just sort of like happens uh, organically. Yeah. That's the most fun when something happens like that. Another person, you know, on the other hand, who was probably also not that well known in those days, but now has become a bigger, a huge star, but he recently passed away, Virgil Abloh. So you were around him when he was a DJing, part of a DJ collective, right? Yeah, so he was he was DJing with Ben Trill, which is uh, with Matthew Williams, who's now the, I think, the head of Givenchy. And um, it's it was cool to see Virgil back then because, you know, what everybody says about him, his true energy and just like, it was an... an infectious, you could say. And uh, it was also fun because he was tight with Kanye. And back in the day, he would be going to fashion shows with Kanye as sort of his plus one. And um, both of them were studying fashion like you wouldn't believe and soaking it up like a sponge. And that was so interesting to me because I would see him like... I'm, it's it was unique to have Kanye at fashion shows. It didn't make sense at the time, and then he went on to do you know Yeezy and all that. And Virgil started off white, so you know they they should if they don't already you know always be giving credit to you know Rick Owens and Jeremy Scott and all those shows that you know they would be guests of. They were there taking photos and uh, you know sort of like studying fashion. Yeah, sort of uh, feeling the the vibe of what it means to be in fashion and. The potential of fashion. I mean, if nothing else, those two really had a very expanded version of fashion, uh, you know, beyond just like outfits. Uh, another big thing of, you know, the zeitgeist of that era and very much Los Angeles is the American apparel. Uh, you know, it was, everyone was crazy with American apparel. The, the ads were everywhere. They featured whether, you know, barely legal girls in many cases, you know, being a little risque, you know, how did that fit into the, to the scene in those days? Well, yeah, the, the cool thing about American Apparel is it was a brand that had no logos, but you could identify with it. And they were, they were great and expanding quite fast and had, you know, locations in all the hippest parts of town. And so you'd be in New York housed in an orchard street huge American apparel store, all the coolest kids are working there. All the coolest kids are shopping. It became sort of this, um, fever and, um, and yeah, for, for most of the two thousands, that was like the uniform, uh, to wear at least something from American apparel. Uh, if at least you'd be in the underwear, if, if, if that was it, but you know, you'd have 
you know, you could dress head to toe in it and look cool. And um, again, it wasn't like too uh, expensive and also, you know, sustainable with, with a uh, sweatshop free labor and, and all those type of things. So um, I think the early days of American apparel were like sort of the, you know, you can't, you can't deny the, uh, the power that that, that had. Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing story. And it's, you know, up and down, right? Like the tremendous rise and fall. Totally. Following. Oh, the other thing, you know, the other thing that was also interesting with American Apparel, as you said, their ads, they put ads on all the independent magazines, all the fashion magazines, you know, newspapers, everything. And, you know, it would pay for like big back page ads. And, and that helped keep, you know, things going for a lot of those, uh, you know, more independent magazines. So, I think it was Definitely. really, really cool how, you know, they chose to support, you know, other creative outlets. Speaking of magazines, Nylon, uh, was it a magazine that you were affiliated with in L.A.? Uh, we always felt like a little competitive with um, Nylon, you know, the sort of the L.A. and paper going head to head on on some of that stuff. Uh, contributors as well. So how was, uh, you know, the role, where did Nylon fit into this picture? Um, yeah, I mean, nylon was, you know, definitely at a moment in that era, you know, every cover was the celebrity of the moment. Um, you know, it was, you know, really on trend with the fashion and maybe a bit more, I don't know, I wouldn't say hip, but maybe younger than the like paper audience. But I think they always went hand in hand. Like you, you, if you read nylon, you would also be a fan of paper. Like it's kind of like what the algorithm would suggest to you. You know, it was amazing memory from paper days was the uh, nightlife awards. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was honored to be the, you know, the nightlife photographer of the year. And, you know, that was a special time for me. You know, I, I got all dressed up. I was wearing a, a suit from Jeremy Scott. And um, yeah, just, you know, the fact that again, a magazine, paper that I looked up to as a kid and, and would read was now honoring me was like really special. So I was really like, I guess I was just like lucky to get to um, live my dream and like make everything, you know, every day was like a, a dream come true, you know, being, being the Cobra snake and being out there doing what I was doing. Yeah. Now that happens a lot more regularly, right? Somebody will throw up a video and suddenly they become like the star uh, overnight with millions of fans and followers and likes and yeah, the, uh, the, the TikTok generation is a whole a whole new beast. Yeah, where are you into that, or how? What's your play with that? Um, I mean, I uh, I'm trying to you know dip my toe. I haven't put any content on there yet, but I'm really excited by the idea of the platform and also the fact that there's just so much more engagement on there um, in a way that, you know, people are sort of like saying, you know, we got burnt out on Facebook a long time ago and then people are slowly getting burnt out on Instagram. They're saying like TikTok is going to have more of the energy and, and life for a while. So I think it's important to dive into that and yeah, I'll man, use, come on. I'm waiting. Yeah. You're, you're the man. You're, you got to be first with all this stuff. I know. I'll use, the, I'll use this podcast <laughs> as like a um, holding me accountable to say, man, if I don't make TikToks in the next like month, I'm, I'm really like, you know, what's wrong with me? 
So you grew up in L.A., So and I understand you were around famous people through your, your mother, was it, yeah, that my, she worked? She was a dental hygienist, yeah, to the stars. To the stars. So you were like in the office while who, some of the people yeah, that would I come would, through I would there, be there I would be there doing my homework, you know, after school. And, you know, Tom Cruise is getting his teeth cleaned or Mark Wahlberg or Ozzy Osbourne, you know, tons tons of stars. And then through that, you know, we would get invited to the tapings of like TV shows. So, you know, I went to Married with Children and Family Matters and a bunch of the, you know, 90s sitcoms that were so popular and would get like headshot autographs from all these people. And so I, I knew from a young age, like that there was like a lot of, you know, energy in this time. Funny enough, I didn't really use any of those connections to get in with my photography, but I think it was just like something that ingrained in me at a young age. Uh, it also makes me wonder if it also helped you, you know, be comfortable around famous people because you were, well, in a oh, way, yeah, they're just they regular always, people. Yeah, they say they're just like us. And uh, yeah, to see them in such a vulnerable position, like getting their <laughs> teeth, teeth scraped, and I'm like in the corner doing my homework, you know, I realized, yeah, we're all just people. And yeah, I, I have a very like low or no intimidation factor when it comes to photographing people because uh, I've seen it all. And you never had any interest in being an actor or being a child you know, have a bit star. part and any of yeah. those pieces or any of that stuff. I mean, I guess it just wasn't in the cards, but you know, you never know. They're the the some of the greatest actors of our times don't hit till they're in their you know forties. So oh shit, um, okay, get ready, America. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I definitely you know want to expand outside of just photography and um, have some ideas for you know you know a TV show and other things that are very Hollywood to talk about and nothing's, nothing's any, you know, exciting to talk about yet, but hopefully I'll be able to manifest some, some pretty exciting things in the future. Great. It's like a story, uh, something based on your life or experience. Yeah. Personal. Yeah. Pretty much like, uh, you know, I want to tell sort of like the hipster version of almost famous where, you know, it's like I'm this young, young kid that, you know, just came out of nowhere and, and then had a great career and, also, just all the funny things that happened in the time and sort of the way that we're painting it is in a more of a modern day version of myself that's uh, really like sort of down and out and washed up and sort of self-deprecating. And I'm trying to get back to my, my once great uh, heyday, you know, and, um, and it, it's, it's cute. Uh, I'll have to send you the synopsis. I'd love to see it. Yeah, you also had a, a diversion when you became, or and still are, right? Like a, a health nut, yes. could I call you a health yeah, nut? Yeah, yeah. They, they said I was like the um, hipster Richard Simmons, you know, so sort of the alternative. Again, I love the alternative culture, like where um, everything you see in fitness was so serious and so macho and so, you know, about getting a six pack. I wanted to make something that was a bit more, fun and accessible. And, um, and yeah, so I was starting with like a lot of hikes in LA, uh, you know, famous Runyon Canyon and, you know, hikes up to the Hollywood sign and stuff and just taking photos again, like I'm, I'm great at, um, of, you know, fun people on the mountain and it just, uh, caught on. 
again, people are like, I want to join that. I want to be a part of, you know, Cobra Fitness Club. And uh, I was able to, you know, inspire a lot of people to get healthy, you know, eat better and just live a a more uh, sustainable life and still have fun. You know, that's the whole thing is that we would play music and it would, you'd still feel like you're kind of at a party, but you're, you know, sweating and climbing up a mountain instead of uh, on the dance floor. Sounds good. Mark Hoberstake Hunter, thank you so much for being on my show today. Yeah, David. And congratulations on your book. Pleasure. It's really cool. There's a copy coming your way. The supply chain, you know, things have been a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll have an autographed copy at your doorstep pretty soon. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at ShopBurb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.